Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Totally Football League show. It's still anybody's guess who's going up from the championship, but the relegation picture looks a little clearer after defeats for Posh and Barnsley. Elsewhere, Steve Bruce won a game. In League One, MK won the big one, and there were significant results at both ends of the table in League Two. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Welcome in then to the first of our bi-weekly roundups of all things EFL. Alongside me, Matt Davis-Adams today, are ah, Adrian Clark. Hello. Sam Parkins back with us. Good afternoon, Matt. And so to you, the Athletics' Nancy Frostick. Hi, Matt. Right, Nancy, I'm going to put this to you first. You can't have Fulham pick one of the other two teams who are going to get promoted from the Championship. Oof. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be boring and go with Bournemouth, I think, for me. Okay, fair enough. Adrian, are you, are you sticking with Bournemouth too? Bournemouth. So, Sam, are you going to make it a full house? No. Good. Huddersfield via the playoffs. Okay, nice. like the specificity of it. Uh, I'm obliged to say Nottingham Forest. Uh, right, that's a little bit of the championship, but plenty more happened this weekend. We'll get into all of it next. Championship headlines, Fulham further clear at the top after besting Blackburn. Huddersfield up to second after they win and Bournemouth lose with Scotty P sent to the stands. If you're not in the bottom seven, you're still in with a chance of getting promoted. Once again, Steve Bruce won a game and Derby bested Barnsley in the big game at the bottom. Uh, there were two matches on Friday night, both significant in terms of the race for promotion. At Bramall Lane, Forrest left it late to take a point against Sheffield United. Oh, and in! Ryan Yates has done it! Right at the very last, yet another stoppage time goal for Nottingham Forest. Uh, Sam, you can call me biased if you like, but I thought that was the least the two-time European champions deserved from this match. Uh, you keep telling yourself, whatever you want, Matt. Um, <laughs> yeah, for, for 70 minutes, I, I had this on. Um, I thought it was really dominant performance, actually. Maybe that final uh, execution you could be critical of or... Does Keenan Davis really look like getting goals right now? Other than, you know, his all-round performance is excellent. That's the only real criticism I could have because, yeah, I thought they could have been, a, not out of sight, but they could have been a couple of goals up within two or three minutes. And um, yeah, it maybe didn't equate to chances in the second half, but there's just so much vibrancy, um, athleticism about Forrest in comparison to Sheffield United on the night as well. I thought they were a bit ponderous in the middle of the pitch. So the least they deserved was the draw. Brilliant resilience again. And and Yates, um, like he did against Stoke recently, getting another valuable point for, for Forrest. So yeah, lots to be enthused about if I was in your shoes, Matthew. 
Mm, yeah, eighth time this season Forest have scored after the 90th minute. Uh, Clarky, we're fairly local, both in the East Midlands. I swear it was you I could hear shouting karma at the TV screen as Brennan Johnson took the worst penalty in the history of football. <laughs> <laughs> he always comes for you, Clarky, when it's me that's been doing the uh, vendetta. He gets it wrong every time, Sam, but it's all right. We'll let it slide. Um, no, I, I have called him out for, for being a diver because he is a little bit divey. But, but no, it's... Just, I admire, in, in in many ways, I admire players that, that have got the nerve to try those dinks. But I just feel they've got to be, well, they should be once every six to nine months, if not once a year. You've got to make them really unusual for them to be effective. And uh, if you do them too often, then then goalkeepers just... just throw the hat on it don't they so uh, yeah it was it was a it was a shocker but I'm with you I thought it was a good Forest performance got to say that that the the assist from Morgan Gibbs White was right up there with the best I saw across any division uh, at the weekend just the way he created space and that just the the pure confidence of the cross his technique was absolutely perfect to to whip it to that fast stick for um for Billy Sharp to nod home. That was outstanding. Um, the only thing from a Forest point of view there is, is Jed Spence. And I've said it here with you guys on the pod before. He's a brilliant right back. I really like him, but he's not a hard nosed defender. He doesn't smell danger like proper fullbacks do. And he didn't there. And, and that might just cost him that move to the, to the club, you know, an elite club. Or making it to the to the very highest level because I just don't think he's quite got that aspect of his game, but he's still a great player. Yeah, it'd be far better refining it at the City Ground for a second season <laughs> on low nothing. Uh, also on Friday, Huddersfield did better against Peterborough than Manchester City. A three 0 win for the Terriers, lifting them into second place as posh sink ever closer to League One. Interesting, Nancy, this. Obviously, we're recording ahead of the, the FA Cup game against Forest on Monday night, but I wonder if now there's a different kind of pressure on Huddersfield. Now they've got themselves into second. We can't call them a surprise package anymore. People are going to be are going to be aiming for them now that they're in this, uh, in this privileged position. Yeah, I suppose it'll be a test of what they're really about. Um, I think they've got, like, they've played four games more than Bournemouth or something, which is quite a lot actually. So I suppose there's still that little like asterisk next to them being there. But but yeah, they, I mean they've looked convincing, and that's not necessarily hard against Peterborough. But um, it's just it looked like a really sort of solid performance. And when you've got someone like Tom Lees, who I don't think has scored two goals ever, I think that was the first of his career. Then yeah, it probably just shows the kind of. Uh, form they're on really and they sort of I think Dean Hoyle's taking back over as well off the pitch which is probably quite exciting I think if you're a Huddersfield fan so that sort of is sorting itself out off the pitch where they've looked a bit questionable I think it's fair to say in in recent years and so it's all sort of coming together at the right time so it'd be interesting to see if um, yeah if if it's just a good crack at something that doesn't pay off or if they actually sort of follow it through. I think looking at the the three games to come, real tough ones for them. So the nature of the victories would have been really welcome. I think the last couple where in a league where you've got to fight so hard for every point to get those early goals and get the job done against Peterborough would have been a relief for the, for the players who are on such an amazing run. Um, I don't know if I had a chance to speak about it a few weeks ago when they, they won at Fulham. Seems like an obvious thing to say, but 
probably the most impressed I've been by any performance this season in, in the championship. You know, see watching them in the flesh, just how well coached they are. And I think we're seeing a collective rather than fantastic individuals having a magnificent season because of the work they do on the training ground. You know, very resilient in defence, very robust, um, incredibly well-organised, but then carry a threat going forward and they can play different ways as well. And I think that's, you know, that's a credit to the to the manager. And just wanted to mention John Russell as well. I don't know if I've, I've spoken about him, but, you know, he was at Chelsea, seems quite briefly in my memory. And I remember speaking to uh, some people close to him or, you know, people at the club um, that he was a bit of a crossroads and didn't really know where he was going to get his first regular football. So to see him in the championship, um, this has taken me by surprise and probably, you know, people at Chelsea as well. Uh, he's playing fantastically well, in- incredible athlete, but got kind of velvet touch as well. So he's going to be vitally important as is Tino Andrin, who's available now. And, that could give them the impetus to go and achieve something incredible because Tina Andrin in the championship should be too good. So if he's fit and ready to fire, watch this space, I would say. Tina Andrin, too good for the championship. Peterborough, very much not. Eight points from safety. Next six <laughs> games, Bournemouth, Stoke, Swansea, QPR, Luton, Borough. Uh, good luck with that, lads. Uh, now then, what's that old saying? Six times the charm? No, it's not, but it's a a clunky way for me to segue us into chat of West Brom's first win under Steve Bruce. It came at his old club hole, 2-0 the score here. Leaves the Baggies 13th, which in this season's championship means they're very much in in playoff contention. Uh, He needed this, didn't he, Clark? It was the worst start he'd made to any managerial position. Yeah, it it was not good. Um, The players' confidence was was on the floor, wasn't it? And he's just been trying different things to, to try and get a tune out of the team and and you know been one or so, sort of one or two flickers of of optimism but but not very many points and and in this game they got the three and deservedly so he changed his shape again this time to a 3-5-2 now i think this might be the one that that suits them the best he dropped Andy Carroll which was a bit harsh because Carroll's actually one of the players that've been playing okay but it worked in 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 the setup because he had two mobile front players in Grant and Robinson. I'd quite like to see Grant with Carroll just as a as an experiment. I think that they could they could hit it off as a pair. But the reason the 3-5-2 works is that you've got two strikers on the pitch, so more of a goal threat because this isn't a creative team, but you've also got room for um for a proper defensive midfield player. Um Mowit is not a defensive midfield player on on his own. Livermore, I think is, and and he came back from suspension, and basically sat there with Mao at one side and and Taylor Gardner Hickman on the other side on the other side as the box to box players, and it clicked, and and I think that it got it got more out of Mao. Uh, the youngster did ever so well, so so yeah, it might might be a formula that that they can use moving forwards. So, so yeah, it was good, and it was another really good assist. I thought for from across this one from from Mao to Grant. Real, real peach of a ball in. They'd tried, hadn't they? Um, Adam Reach at number 10. I just didn't get it. I mean, Nancy would have seen a lot of Adam Reach. I think he's obviously scores great goals, um, often cutting in from the wing. But for me, he's a crosser. 
rather than a, a guy that finds space in pockets between the lines and that's really comfortable um, in tight spaces centrally. It's just not him, in my opinion. And and he'd look lost in that role. So he, he made way and, 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 and West Brom did look better for it. Uh, now, Wayne Rooney said that Derby needed to beat Barnsley if they were to have any hope of staying up. And they duly did just that. Ravel Morrison on target for the first time in an English league game since 2014 as the Rams moved to within five points of fourth bottom Reading, having played a game more than them. Um, Sam, this was a, a crucial win, wasn't it? Not just because they took points off Barnsley, but also because they've got Blackburn and Bournemouth next. Yeah, huge, huge win. On the back of those three defeats, I, I thought that was going to be possibly the end, to, to be truthful. I thought it was going to be fascinating to see how they responded. And yeah, massive over a relegation rival. Just two shots on target. I know Tom Lawrence hit the bar prior to the, the second one, but clinical. And I don't know about the other guys. I, I like the look of that 11 now. You know, two flying fullbacks, um, Cashin and Davis, experience and youth. Midfield, Bird and, and Bielik, and then a really exciting f- um, three behind an out-and-out, yes, a youngster, but plans the centre-forward. I think Lawrence, um, Ravel Morrison and Ebiowi, that's really exciting. I saw him in the PL2, Ebiowi, get a hat-trick and um bit of a, I don't know, looks like a bit of a maverick, all left foot, um, can score from distance, bit Chris Waddle, I, I thought Ooh. when I saw him in the, Ooh, in like the PL2. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice drop of a shoulder. So, I, I mean, his work rate by all accounts was excellent at the weekend, getting getting back and helping out defensively, Nathan Burnett would have been, but um, certainly loads of talent on the ball. So, yeah, what another really bench, encouraging day. Knight, Thompson, yeah. Buchanan came on on a subs, Kazim Richards, Stearman, Sibley, unused. All of a sudden, they got, they got a squad. They? Yeah, and... I suppose what I was just saying, a few players have come from nowhere, I suppose, and and uh, and taken to life in the championship really well. So, yeah, really good performance. And as you mentioned, Matt, you know, the next few weeks, you know, Reading have got Forest, Bournemouth, Blackburn in the, in the next three. Uh, and Barnsley have got three games at home. So I think... We're maybe going to have a better idea how many teams are going to be fighting it out in this in this scrap, you know, in the next month. Yeah, on that, I was looking at, at the stats as you do. Uh, had the calculator out. Okay, so Derby have earned one point two five points a game this season, right? If they carry that on, they'll finish on thirty seven. Reading have had point eight two points per game. If they carry on at the same rate, they won't finish on thirty seven. They finish on thirty-eight, so it's it, it it it's. Do you know if both teams maintain their levels, it's going to go to the wire, and and if it goes to the wire, I mean, I'd rather have Derby's fixtures, um, in the running. Last two games away to Blackpool, home to Cardiff. Probably both teams won't have stuff to play for. Reading have got West Brom at home and and Luton away. Don't want to be going to Kenilworth Road on the last day of the season needing something. So um, I think it's alive. I really do. 
Uh, elsewhere, regarding this game, David Ornstein reporting on Monday morning for The Athletic that Barnsley have told the English Football League they think Reading are cheating. Chief exec Khaled El Ahmed wrote to Trevor Birch saying, we believe Reading are at a sporting advantage in the 2021-22 season by continuing to operate a business model that is incompatible with P&S compliance. And Nancy, you must be pretty bored of talking about and reporting on all this kind of stuff. Is this just a, a last kind of shot to nothing from Barnsley or do you reckon there's any kind of case that they've got here? Um, I think Barnsley have sort of spoken about this before and, um, you know, their owners kind of aren't afraid to to have these sorts of conversations because I suppose they've come from the States where maybe things are set up a bit differently. And um, I think they genuinely feel in a lot of cases that, you know, the way that the rules are applied aren't really fair and they'd like to change that. But obviously that's much hard, like much easier said than done. But I imagine it would take far too long and cost far too much money for anything to like realistically happen this season. So yeah, it's, I think it's, a, it's fair for them to grumble about these things, but whether it'll actually achieve anything, I don't know. Seems unlikely. So, Mr. Raniak, what's troubling you? Well, we've got a, a leak in the dressing room, Doctor. Right, and you want to find out who it is? No, no, I just can't find a good plumber. Sometimes there's only so much you can do. But with Paddy Power, our offers are watertight. So this weekend, get money back as a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus 4 bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Minards 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. 7-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, now then, after FA Cup exertions midweek, it was back to league business for two playoff hopefuls. Middlesbrough and Luton met at the Riverside, went the way of the home team. Nine wins on the spin in all competitions for Middlesbrough in front of their own supporters now. Nancy, when we spoke to Chris Wilder just after he got the job, one of the things he said was making the Riverside a harder place to go. And you kind of think, oh yeah, every manager says that. But it's clearly something that he's focused on and it's actually produced results. Yeah, he's uh, doing what he does best, I think. It's like nine home wins in a row and that's just crazy, you know, difficult for for other teams to go to, to the Riverside, especially in this final stretch when, you know, a team like Luton, they've, I think they've literally swapped places in the table with that result, so like sixth and eighth now. Um, and that's just so important where it is so tight um, in those sort of, I don't know, fourth to... 12th or whatever it is with all those teams still um still in the mix so yeah it's a great result because obviously they're they've both been flying both played well in the cup I thought Luton were unlucky actually against Chelsea but that's maybe a you know conversation for another day but um but yeah and I thought Duncan Watmore played well and he's been you know a good addition for them over the last two seasons and I'm enjoying the sort of resurgence of um Players like Cameron Jerome, and I know we're going to talk about uh, Saida Barahino in a bit as well. So it's a bit of a throwback to, uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, and those sorts of names sort of come into life again, which is uh, which is good fun. Clarky Duncan Watmore's got a first class honours degree in economics and business management. I, I don't have a question for you off the back of that. I just think it's always worth pointing out. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a right clever clogs, isn't he? See, not all footballers are thick. Um, he's a modern day Ian Dowie. What's he got a qualification in? 
I don't Ooh. know. What's he got a qualification? It's tremendous, whatever it is. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's... Is he a doctor, Dr. Dowie? He went to the University nice, of Hertfordshire and the Masters in Engineering and got a job at British Aerospace. <laughs> I don't know how we go sure. move on from this, listener, to be honest. But, in- incredible. But, uh, oh, can I, he was always can I good say- in the air. There you go. There's the segue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These were two good teams, right? I think they'll both be right in the mix. Um, and what I like about these two teams is they've got a bit of character. Okay, so... that. They, they'll never lie down, I don't think, under their managers and, and make it easy. I looked at the last four times Middlesbrough had lost in the Championship, or the only four times they've lost under Wilder. Because obviously they came into this off the back of the Barnsley defeat. Obviously they'd won in the Cup, but the last league game was a Barnsley loss. They've won every time they've lost under Wilder so far. And actually Luton have done exactly the same thing. Um, the last three losses they've had, They've gone on and won the next game, so um, so yeah, the next next run of opponents for Luton might be um, might be in for a bit of trouble. Uh, now then, that Reading revival was brief. Back to back defeats now for the Royals after they were beaten at home by a Millwall side who've added their name to the ever increasing list of promotion contenders. Uh, Adrian, people were surprised when when Millwall turned down money for Jeb Wallace in January, given he's out of contract at the end of the season. Are they showing the the validity of that decision now by keeping hold of him and going on this run? Well, he's, yeah, I mean, he's their best player and I don't know. I don't know whether he was ever committed to a move anyway. So it was one of those weird situations where he was injured at the time and we so we didn't really get to see whether he would have played or not um, and how it impacted him. But, but it didn't happen. He's got his head down and he's been brilliant again, hasn't he? I think he's got three assists and a goal in, in, across his last few games. So, you know, his set-piece deliveries, absolutely sensational. Uh, Jake Cooper's brilliant at jumping and heading in the mid, isn't he? As we've seen in the last two. I just think for a team like Millwall, who don't score loads of goals, they're not prolific, are they? They don't have... They don't bombard teams with, you know, constant pressure and create bundles of chances. They've got to be efficient. And, and Jed Wallace is... Is the epitome of, of efficiency, really, because in open play, he delivers quality in the big moments. And from set pieces, you can rely on him to stick it in the right area, can't you? So, um, yeah, fantastic for them. And obviously, now that they're keeping clean sheets, Millwall, those draws are turning into, into wins. So um, absolutely brilliant for them. Good thing as well. Gary Rowett spoke about it after the game. Yeah, yeah clean sheets. So important, winning ugly, but those two previous games, um, playing with a bit more flexibility at the front of the pitch. I think Tyler Bury, really important within that, um, has given them just a different a different threat, which they've probably lacked for large parts of, I don't know how long, but certainly the majority of Gary Rowett's um, managerial career at Mill, too one-dimensional, too reliant on Jed Wallace. So now with Wallace, Afobi, Bury, A and other, you know, they've got they've got unpredictability, I suppose, that they've not had before um, in abundance. So I've been really impressed with Bury. I think he's been linked with some some, some clubs higher up the uh, the ladder already, and he's only played a handful of games. and And I think he's someone that the Millwall fans knew about and wanted in the side earlier this season. So it's been a long time coming. Really interesting you said that because so through personnel. They've, they've managed to change their style a little bit and have more options. 
I know that Gary Rowett went on record and saying earlier in the season, we consciously tried to be more open, tried to play a more expansive brand of football, be less set piece heavy, um, etc. Tried to add a few strings to their bow, but it left them too open and weren't keeping clean sheets. So what they've done is sort of gone back a little bit to the solidity that Millwall always have had. But then, as Sam said, they've, they've introduced players that can provide a different kind of spark within the sort of framework. So, yeah, really interesting. On Just a quick one on Reading. Um, Paul Ince get, getting pedals already. <laughs> His first sub in this game didn't come until the 79th minute. Uh, Ajaria came on. Who was it? His second. nephew? <laughs> no, it wasn't for a relation. Um, 85th minute, Yakumate came on. When you're 1-0 down at home to Millwall, you can't wait until the 79th. And you've got Ajaria and, and, and Mate on the bench. You can't be waiting until the last 10 minutes to make those substitutions. So, um, you know, accusations that, that you know, sit, sitting on it, you know, sitting on it too long. And I, I would, I'd be frustrated if I was a Royals fan there. Nancy, were you as puzzled as the rest of us when he got the job? Yeah, just really <laughs> couldn't wrap my head around that because I'd done a piece literally the week before for The Athletic about Reading and spoken to a few fans and how they felt about it because they were protesting and I guess they're in a tricky situation because they the fans, because they're you know, clearly very unhappy and, and justifiably so and kind of protesting but worried if they push too hard against the owner that, you know, if the owner decides to pull out, then they're in real trouble and then, you know, they know realistically they can't change much in terms of the players because they're limited on that front with the restrictions they're under and all of that. So they were kind of wanting Poundovich out, but there was also just the question of who they could actually get. <laughs> and I guess, I suppose whether it would look as bad if Tom Ince wasn't on loan at Reading, I don't know, maybe that's just part of the baffling kind of nature of it. But yeah, it's, um, he might do it. It might be fine. They might, we might all eat our words. Doing it by a point, aren't they? I've said it already. Yeah, yeah. Clark has worked it out, so <laughs> the the numbers don't lie. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess he wasn't the obvious candidate, so it'll go one or two ways, won't it? Yeah. But it's not Paul Ince's fault that they can't concede, can't defend a set piece. I mean, they oh, conceded no. twenty. Twenty. I think the next the next most is thirteen. I mean, that's not his fault. But making subs, you know. Reading the game, reading the situation, being a bit more adventurous with, with yourselves—that is something you can you can impact. And it, it felt like he was a bit embarrassed about it because he didn't go and do the presser after the game. He sent in Michael Gilks, which I thought was interesting. Oh, that's poor form after a couple of games. Uh, nice and easy for them next. They're Reading Forest away, Bournemouth away, Blackburn at home. Good luck with that. Uh, right, we are going to have a go at a bet builder with Paddy Power based on the midweek games. Adrian, can you baffle us all with your pick, please? Yeah, well, I touched on it actually a moment or two ago when I said that Luton, when they lose, they bounce back with wins. Um, the last three defeats they've had, they've gone on three match winning streaks, um, Luton. So, so I think they're going to go to Coventry and win. Coventry weren't very good last time out against Swansea. I wanted the half a goal on the Asian handicap, but it's bamboozled um, producer Abby, which is fine. Um, so let's just go, let's just go bold. Let's just go with Luton on the nose to win at Coventry. All right, we'll get Abby to give us a price on that in a second. Once Nancy's given us her selection, yours also comes from the championship, right? It does, yeah. I've gone for uh, Millwall to beat Blackburn. Um, 
as we just touched on really, I think Millwall are in a good good spell of form and I just like chaos. So I think if um, Millwall win and then, you know, Blackburn is sort of slipping down, that would um, just be fun. Good save there, Nancy, because you almost said in a good moment, which have meant which would have meant no. immediate oh, dismissal from the <laughs> haunting. <laughs> um, Abby, give us some odds on those, please. Our vibe, pure vibes picks are uh, Luton are five to two to beat Coventry. Coventry favourites twenty three to twenty, uh, and Millwall are fourteen to five to beat Blackburn. Blackburn eleven to ten. That double is a whopping twelve point three to one already. Wow! All right, we're going to go to League One next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostick, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler, and more of the Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just £1 a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. In League One, leaders Rotherham were beaten 2-1 at home by 10-man MK Dons. Second place Wigan squeezed past Wimbledon. Oxford put four first-half goals past Burton. Wickham moved into the playoff spots with a 3-1 win at bottom side crew in what was Gareth Ainsworth's 500th game in charge. The bottom six all lost, but Lincoln earned an impressive win against Sheffield Wednesday. More on that soon. Uh, We will start, though, with that big game at the top of the division. It produced a surprise result. Rotherham lost at home for the first time since September, going down against an MK Don side who are now seven points behind the Millers in third. Kasimu does really well. Kasimu, what a challenge that is! Into Isa, into the penalty area! Oh my goodness me! Mo Isa with an arrow blade has turned this game around completely! MK Don's lead! Two goals in four minutes! For 10-man MK Dons! Uh, this is an incredible statement from uh, from MK, wasn't it, Adrian? To, to win, but not only win, but do it with one player less for most of the game. <laughs> Just tremendous, isn't it? That, that, that they continued to play in, in quite a positive way. They didn't didn't sit back and just hope to soak up everything. Yeah, they had to do that at times, but they, they were positive as well. But this is not something new, is it? MK Dons have been tremendous for a while now, especially away from home. I mean, they've slayed in 2022 alone. I mean, we're only just into it. They've won at Pompey, Burton, Wickham, Sunderland, Charlton, and now Rotherham. That's that's phenomenal, really, uh, especially considering they lost their best player at the start of January, So, or in January. So... Yeah, really, really good work from them. Connor Coventry outstanding in this game, centre of the park, winning tackles, intercepting. He made more passes, Connor Coventry, than any other midfielder on the pitch. And he was playing for a team that had 10 men for, for two-thirds of the game. It's Or more than two-thirds of the game. It was a, a tremendous from him and and from the side as a whole. So, yeah, well done, MK Dons. And they've, they've just... Put the frighteners on Wigan and Rotherham a little bit, haven't they, with this amazing run? How will Rotherham be viewing this, Sam? Just just one of those where you, you write it off and move on or, or actually might it be quite useful 
for Paul Warren to say, look, you're not going to have it all your own way for the rest of the season. And, and here's the reminder why. Yeah, pro- probably the, the latter. Um, I think he spoke in the, the wake of the Plymouth win, if memory serves me right, from the, the, the last seven days, that they haven't been playing particularly well. So... Yeah, maybe this has been coming a little bit. They've been getting away with not being right at the top of their game and getting maximum points. So, um, you know, just thinking as, as Adrian was, was talking there, yeah, MK Dons went down to 10, but, you know, Rotherham are never the type of team that are going to dominate possession and dictate the ball. So it's still irrelevant of the, the numbers. You've got to defend your box. You've got to try and stop crosses, all that type of thing when you're, you're playing Rotherham, which is easier and said than done, but you're going to have an opportunity to play. And, um, MK Dons can play more than any team at the level, arguably. So, uh, carrying that threat on the counter attack was probably, yes, a masterstroke from Liam Manning, but maybe to be expected because they've got good technical players and yeah, keeping the three Parrot, Isa, and Twine on the pitch for I think near on 70 minutes shows incredible bravery and they've been rewarded for that so no Rotherham aren't going to come up against that probably even with you know uh, 11 men too often before the end of the season and they'll continue to hurt teams so no real concerns but I think it'll be fascinating you know Wigan, Rotherham and MK if they can if they can continue the momentum and continue picking up the points What do we think very briefly on the um Giving a penalty away and getting the red. I, I just don't think it's right, really. I thought it's, it's just too much punishment. I know it didn't impact MK Dons too much here, but I thought I thought that rule had gone out of the window. I'm a bit confused. Mm. Well, the, the phrase double jeopardy was used a lot at the start of one season, wasn't it? Kind of, <laughs> kind of say, we're not going to do this anymore, but maybe that's been forgotten. Isn't it just a genuine attempt to play the ball? You get away with it. I just don't know how in the how in the heat at the moment you can tell what's genuine and, and not. Mm. I just I just think if you give away a pen, a red card as well, it's, it's just mm. it's always been too much. Like going back, you know, to the beginning of time in football. I, yeah, I just think it's a little bit little bit over the top. That one moment could have absolutely derailed derailed them and the game. But uh, yeah, full credit to them for um, yeah. And Sam picked up on it. I would say eight or nine managers out of ten. Their response to that is take a striker off. So well done, Liam Manning. Uh, more importantly, Sam, it's time for you to analyse our tweet of the week. It comes from oh, Daniel no. Harvey, the player who was sent off in this game. He's quote tweeting the official MK Don's account, who had just tweeted all caps full dot time dot. Daniel says, what a team, two exclamation marks. Unbelievable shift from every single one of them, space, comma, space. Shout out to the fans. Top class as always, two exclamation marks. Disappointed on my own behalf. Another day, it's not a red, but we go again. All caps, you dons with six S's, white heart emoji. Better than John Joe Shelby's apology? I've not seen John Joe's, but I I don't like anything about that, I'm afraid. Um, It's one of the worst we've had in recent weeks. But what I will say is I know that he has been a big part of their social media output in, in recent times. I think there was, this is very vague, but there was something, a song maybe, about Harvey would um, kick his own granny for three points or to something of that effect, which he's played on and there's been some decent interaction with the guy walking around with a mobile phone who's part of the MK Dons media team. So it's a red... But I'm only going to give him the, the free games. He's not going to get anything additional. Okay, that seems fair. 
Um, the fastidious producer, Abby, who's got an eye on an SJA award tonight, would like me to point out that it was just the five S's in MK Don's at the end. So sorry to misrepresent uh, your intentions there, Daniel. All right, it's traditional that we have Nancy on after a Sheffield Wednesday defeat. Uh, every time we talk up their promotion hopes, they, they chuck in a result like this, Nancy. I mean, uh, obviously the Sheffield Wednesday angle is, is the one uh, that, that you're most expert on, and we'll get to them. But but just on Lincoln, this is a really important win for them, wasn't it? Because there'd been some rumblings against Michael Appleton, which seems crazy to me, even though they've been disappointing. But, but this is a, a big result because it moves them further away from trouble, but also kind of shades of last season that they can mix it with the bigger teams in the division yeah it's weird I was kind of looking at the table before the weekend and like I must admit I'd possibly not given Lincoln too much thought and then I was like oh hang on that they're actually in a bit of trouble here like you know they're in the in the doldrums a bit but um but yeah it's a massive result and I think the owner or the the chief exec at Lincoln has sort of said that that, you know they're going to back Michael Appleton which is good because you know he, he has done a good job there um over the years so yeah it's um John Marquis I think scored two um so that was again like good sign from their sort of January recruitment that they can get goals if if they need to but um but yeah Wednesday's just every time you think they've got going they just know how to sort of throw it away and I literally wrote a piece last week on how they were just starting to look convincing and you know the, the goal they scored come from Marvin Johnson who's in like blistering form they hit the wings they use those um those fullbacks get the ball into the box in one way or another and you know it's been working for them I think all of their goals for like the last 10 games or something have come from either corners um coming in or free kicks coming into the box or some sort of cross from the wings. So it, it wasn't a surprise to me that that's how they scored. But yeah, it's just too easy. Like Jordan Story loses his man for the first one at the top of the box. Bit of a corner routine from Lincoln. And then the other two, they've just not tracked the runner basically coming in from the wings. So yeah, it's um, I suppose they were bound to lose at some point, but it just means that they're now back down in sixth and kind of where you thought they might be pushing for automatics is probably showing why they'll just be pushing for playoffs and nothing more. Do you think they'll make it? I'm not sure, actually. I I know, kind of, I think I've watched enough Wednesday to, to not be convinced about them being able to hold it together when, you know, when things get tough. I do think it's this group of players is different to, obviously, last season. So it's a bit better in terms of um, the mentality, I think. But... But yeah, I'm not sure. Um, they need to be more convincing for me, but I've said that pretty much every time you've asked me about Wednesday this season. So maybe that says uh, says it all, really. Their home record is decent. They've got Cambridge and Accrington, both at Hillsborough, coming up next. So a chance to get back to winning ways maybe for them. Uh, Sam, you've chosen a League One game for our bet builder this week. I have. I think what a great opportunity for MK Dons now. So they have to, they have to go at it now. They have to win these next couple of games. Cheltenham at home, they've scored two in their last four, MK Dons. Cheltenham have had a five and a four, four most recently. Oh, it's going to be an abundance of goals. Get yourself up to MK for this one. Over 2.5, Matt, please. Abby, what are the odds on that, please? Goals, goals, goals over 2.5 is four to five. Uh, MK Dons odds on to win this one, seven to 10. Cheltenham 15 to four. And the draw slightly better than Cheltenham win, 11 to four. That treble is 23 to one with Matt's pick still to go. 
and that pick will come after we've visited League Two. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. In League Two, leaders Forest Green held to a 1-1 draw at Salford, extending FGR's winless run to five. Second place Northampton, who celebrated their 125th anniversary this weekend, are eight points behind the leaders after a 3-2 victory over fellow promotion contenders Tranmere. Sutton moved into the automatic promotion places after swatting aside Rochdale and Swindon scored a 97th minute winner at Bradford to move into the final playoff spot and leave Mark Hughes 0 for 2 in the Bantams hot seat. Uh, on Thursday's show, we said that Tranmere at Northampton would be a tight match, maybe one goal in it, if any. Uh, John Brady and Mickey Mellon were listening and wanted to prove us wrong. Northampton 3-0 up before Tranmere set up a nervy finish, but ultimately couldn't find the equaliser. Uh, Adrian, the Northampton Twitter account's been tweeting post-match about the togetherness of the team. Is that something that you've noticed? Or is that just generic admin draft copy and paste this team together it's just guff from twitter social admin team isn't it it's just one of the media team who's in charge of their twitter thinking how can i come up with a a bland way of saying we were really good today without offending anyone so we'll just talk about togetherness and how united this team is it's just standard isn't it it's just not even worth reading. Um, but but they are quite together. <laughs> I was not to say that they're not. Um, you have to be when you're as good at defending as Northampton are. It, it doesn't come by be, by playing as individuals. You don't you don't have the kind of record they do. But without that being united, it's the second time only in twelve games that they've concede that they've scored more than one goal. They're, they're second in the league. Two times in the last 12 games have they scored more than once. So that tells you how good they are at the back. It's, it's clean sheetville as, as Northampton are concerned. So, so yeah, it's um, yeah they are a united bunch. They're, they're just brilliant at set pieces. 21 now for the season. That's the most by six. Um, so that in a team that lacks a, a really prolific number nine goal scorer, you have to prioritise set pieces and defending, and and that's what they do, and and that's why they're they're right up there. Um, Fraser Horsfall, just wanted to mention him. He's having a blinding season. Um, I think he's got eight goals now this season. Horsfall, which makes him joint top scorer with Sam Hoskins. Not bad, is it for uh, for a centre half? Incredible name as well. Uh, Nancy, Tranmere ought to be a bit concerned, don't they? No wins in five, lost four of those. What's happened to this previously resolute defensive unit from the Wirral? I know, yeah. Kind of um, a couple of games ago, sort of was looking at them and Forest Green and thinking that that might be it sort of tied up. And now Forest Green are on a wobble as well, aren't they? So, yeah, it's it's worrying, I suppose, because I know that promotion's very much kind of expected well not expected but it it really is you know exactly what um what they want and um they'll probably have to get a win soon because everyone around them's winning so it's it's one of those really but I thought that in some ways like those first two goals that Northampton scored were almost identical so I mean that probably says something about how good that they are from set of pieces but um but I actually thought Tramir's goals were the first one was like a little bit lucky the way that the the balls kind of bounced out and 
it was well taken. And the second one, I mean, I'm not sure that's a penalty for me, but maybe uh, the others will have an opinion here. But I think it's just a clever, clever bit of falling, shall we say, <laughs> from the uh, from the striker there. He's, he's fallen down quite convincingly. Um, but yeah, so so maybe the scoreline possibly flattered flattered them a bit, but um, but yeah, not not a pen for me that. If Clarky didn't think the uh, Northampton admins uh, tweet was sincere, if he's got five minutes and Nancy and you, Matt, watch Peter Clark's post-match interview. I'm still bitter because he used to kick me and I used to elbow him a lot. Um, But he talks for five minutes very slowly. It's very emotional. He's taking this defeat very hard. So um, I'm, I'm not so sure I believe it. No one likes getting beat. The... The first half was poor. I'm going to just put it out there. They're flat track bullies. That's what they are this season. Look at their record against the top 10 teams in the division. It's rubbish. They've won two, drawn five, lost seven. You won't get, you won't get top three unless you're, unless you turn up for the big games. And that's, that's where they've, they've struggled this season. You know, I, I back them, but you know, I put a small wager on them to go up. So I'm, it's in my interest for them to to make top three. But it's um, yeah, they have to improve in that in that regard uh, particularly. Uh, so that was the top of the table. At the bottom, there was a relegation six pointer, which it turned out, as is usually the case, was only actually worth three. It was won by Carlisle though, two one away to Oldham, three and three. Under Paul Simpson, we spoke about Amari Patrick on Thursday's show. Uh, he was on target again here. Feeney won it in stoppage time. They're, they're very much the team with the momentum at, at the bottom of League Two, Sam. They are, and yeah, it's done a brilliant job so far because they were abject uh, a month or so ago. Um, just conceded the one in the in the three games. I think it was seven or eight goals. They could, eight goals they conceded in the previous three before he went in. Um, change the shape, three five two. Uh, Jamie Devitt all of a sudden starting games for them. Callum Guy ran the the show. Uh, the, the most interesting thing I noticed: John Mellish, who we've talked about in glowing terms because he was a defender turned midfielder, getting goals back in the centre half in this game uh, and very dominant up against um, former Carlisle player Hallam Hope. Although Hallam Hope did score and. Gave a bit back to the Carlisle fans, which I noticed, and um, reoccurring theme for the uh, Cumbrian supporters because Harry McCurdy did exactly the same a fortnight or so ago when he scored for for Swindon. But um, now thoroughly deserved off day for for Oldham, and certainly got a, a huge managerial boost right now from from Paul Simpson, Amari Patrick. We we spoke about his pace um, when he came. I think he scored against Bradford very early on when he came back to the club. Um, looking absolutely excellent, six in twelve for him. So, no, they're um, uh, looking like they've got a great chance of pulling away from it. And half time on Saturday in the bottom two, and I think they finished the day eighteenth, six points away from it, which is is brilliant. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they can all keep losing again, so we can get a grandstand finish. <laughs> wow, well, there's a few in it now, aren't there? I mean, Orient, Barrow, Stevenage have been just sucked in, haven't they? Um, I'm glad you mentioned half time there, Sam, because at half time, Paul Simpson had a bit of a moment, 
he's, and he's quoted as saying this. He said, I said at halftime to the players, start getting a picture in your minds of celebrating in front of them fans. We'll forgive that when you go and get yourself a goal. If you do things right, what a wonderful feeling. Get a picture. As a striker, did you used to visualise scoring goals? Or is that is that just nonsense? I did, yeah. yeah. Towards the end, even more so, which did me nothing whatsoever because I never <laughs> got near the goal. But yeah, I did. There was a, there was a period where I was quite into that and yeah. I'd visualise during the warm-up, looking at both ends, familiarising yeah. myself, yeah. feeling what it, it would feel like. Um, I'd spend some of the game doing that as well, particularly if there was a supporter giving me grief because I'd make sure I knew where he was so I could run directly to him and go, hey, get it up, yeah, like that. <laughs> Nancy, do you get a picture of the handshake you're going to get from your editor after a particularly brilliant article before you start writing <laughs> Always, yeah, take a good five minutes before just to, uh, <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? Or, you know, just running up with an article and when a team does get relegated, um, slap it into <laughs> I told you. <laughs> I told you six when... months ago and you've not sorted it. Before every pod, producer Abby visualises lifting the SJA award, doesn't she, above her head? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what happens. Uh, speaking of uh, award nominated slash sometime award winning producer Abby can you give us some odds on Crawley and Bristol Rovers both teams to score please because that's my pick for our bet builder do you care to give us a reason as to why you think that's going to happen Uh, I mean I could do but it's not going to make much difference is it because we never win these but Crawley I don't know they seem to score a lot Bristol Rovers not in that bad form Uh, oh Crawley drew 0-0 on Saturday so there is that, of course. Uh, Bristol Rovers lost 1-0 on Saturday. Yeah, so I'll have Crawley, Bristol Rovers, both teams to score, please. Well, it's actually more likely than both teams to not score. So you've got that bit right. They're 8-11 to 11 for both teams to score evens for not. Um, it's very tight between the two. It's 13-8 to eight for Crawley Town to win. Bristol Rovers 17-10. to 10. Um, But putting that all together... Oh, and before I do put it all together, as we like to say, all odds are accurate at the time of recording. Since since reading out the League One odds, they have slightly changed. It's now 17-20 uh, to 20 for over 2.5 goals between uh, MK and Cheltenham. Just thought I would, you know, really be accurate with that. Um, which means our bet builder comes in at a whopping 41.5 to 1. Flolo Hughes is whooping somewhere in North London. <laughs> oh, she is. She absolutely is. Listen, it will come off one day and then we'll all be straight to Barbados. Um, thanks, Abby. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. It's over 18s only. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. All right, before we go, Ravel Morrison and Saido Berahino reminded us that they're still playing football by scoring this weekend. It leads me to ask, who else in the EFL did you forget was still playing? Um, Nancy, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so I quite enjoyed this. Um, I had two. One who I feel is uh, very much in the same wheelhouse as uh, Berahino and... uh, who was it? Oh, Morrison. Morrison. <laughs> Proving the point there beautifully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and that was Josh McEachern. Like, literally forgot. Couldn't tell you where he was playing. Not even 30, um, Josh McEachern. Amazing. Yeah. And um, he's at MK Dons and he's played more than 20 games this season. So that's poor on my behalf. Probably should have known that he was there. 
but I, I just lost, lost track of him. And the other one is just someone who I assumed would have retired already, and that's Ben Watson um, at Charlton. I just thought he must have retired by now, and he's still going. So good for you, Ben Watson. Fair. That's a really good shout. Um, Adrian, who did you go for? Yeah, I've gone for Danny Simpson, title-winning uh, fullback for Leicester City, of course. He, he kind of might as well have just retired there and then, because, I mean, he's barely played, has he, since... I think he was at Huddersfield for a bit, but can't really remember him playing. And and it, it was just announced earlier this morning that he's he's left Bristol City by mutual consent. I had no, no real awareness that he was there. I think he'd made a, a handful of appearances, but yeah, Danny Simpson, yeah, probably should have just gone out on that on that high. Sam, I've got a fairly exhaustive list. Danny Simpson wasn't on it. Josh McEachern was. Uh, let's see if you if our thinking is aligned here. Who did you come up with? Oh, I've gone for, it's quite an obvious one, Phil Jagielka. I mean, how much dough does someone need? <laughs> he must love soccer, mustn't he? Um, making this latest move to um, to Stoke. But um, on a serious note, uh, Jordan Rhodes, I thought. And Is he still around? Jordan yeah, Rhodes. he's at Huddersfield. Huddersfield. And Chrissy Martin, still going at Bristol City and um, played with Chris. And Jordan was... Just coming through Ipswich when I was there. So I remember both of them in their infancy and both still contributing in the championship. Incredible longevity. Uh, okay, these might all be a bit too obvious. Anthony Knockart, still playing for Fulham or on Fulham's books, apparently. Wes Houlihan, we spoke about him loads last season, barely mentioned him uh, this time around. He'd be another one. Fraser Campbell, speaking of Huddersfield, he's still going. Henry Lansbury at Luton the career that never quite was. Richard Keogh, Blackpool, maybe a bit too obvious. More Stoke, James Chester. I've also got Jermaine Defoe, Sonia Luco, Mustafa Karayal, if that's how you say his name. He seems to have been around forever. And to finish off, I will offer up Adeline Guediora. He's a, was a couple where of is he? Underwhelming crew? mms there. Uh, he, he scored is, a worldie, Adeline didn't Guediora he? Adeline Guediora is at Burton. Scored a worldie for him. Mm. Yeah, Saturday. much travelled. I think you could call that particular Algerian. Uh, we'll be back with more of this kind of nonsense on <laughs> Thursday when we'll be reflecting on everything that's happened in midweek. Uh, we'll also probably be reflecting on Sam's big double night of TV action. Just tell us a bit more about that before we go, Sam. Ooh, I'm sure the uh, other guests know that the Papa John's trophy is reaching its conclusion. Not really. It's in the semi-final stage. And um, those two games are live on Sky, Tuesday, Wednesday night. And I'm uh, going to be talking about them in the studio. Looking forward to it. Very nice. Very nice. Good. Never Good got the call. Job. Yeah, disappointing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Got a bit greedy gobbling up the boat, but, you know, we'll let it slide. <laughs> you could have had a slice of the Papa John's action yourself, Adrian. Maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. uh, just a trip, so. um, many thanks to... Many thanks to Adrian Tadansi and to Sam and to producer Abby. We'll catch up with you again later in the week. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.